startup failures, successes, and learning from all over the world. Welcome to a new episode of the International Entrepreneurs Podcast. Ross, it's really great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you very much for taking the time. Please quickly explain who you are and what you do to our listeners. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Um, my background is in economic development. Um, I spent 10 years in business incubation, uh, creating business incubators. First in North Carolina, where I had a 141,000 square foot facility. was recruited to Arizona in 2009, created a network of business incubators here, varying focus uh, from medical device to general. Uh, we did one uh, with the Native American tribes as well. Uh, four and a half years ago, went back into the private sector, became CEO of the Human Tissue Bank. We process uh, human uh, cadaveric tissue for transplant, as well as amniotic fluids from live C-section births. And uh, in October of last year, decided to uh, go back into economic development, uh, working on multiple projects, uh, right now creating a, a technology commercialization center at the University of Advancing Technology here in Arizona. So I have a lot of uh, different contacts around uh, economic development. That's kind of my background. Awesome. That's super great. With your background and the businesses that you've been working with or in, what was the hardest thing when you were actually working on the realization of your ideas? <laughs> Great question. Um, I think one of the hardest things is when you're dealing with entrepreneurs is to help them understand um, they can't wear all the hats. And many times uh, the entrepreneurs that we deal with make great CTOs. They do not necessarily make great CEOs, especially when we're raising funding. On uh, the five years I was running the network here, we raised a little over $82 million in capital. And investors invest in people. They don't necessarily invest in ideas. So helping the entrepreneur understand that chairman of the board is a great title, maybe CEO is not the best title for you, um, is a difficult conversation to have, but one that's very necessary in many situations because typically the entrepreneur is the technical expert and their expertise is critical to moving the business forward. But from a business development and scaling standpoint, there are other uh, tasks and things that need to be done that they may not necessarily have the background to do. Got it. What would you describe the required characteristics of a CEO? Um, it needs to be someone that understands how to scale and how to build. If you're going to build uh, what we refer to as a, you know, a small company, five to 10 people, then, you know, many entrepreneurs can do that. But if you want to grow to 100, 200, 300 people, you want to raise capital, you want to get into international markets beyond the domestic market, it takes a different skill set. And I've never met an individual that, um, you know, it's, it's a three different skill sets. It's a different skill set that goes from zero to a million in revenue, a million to 10, and 10 to 100 million in revenue. And I've never met anyone with all of those skill sets. So I think for an entrepreneur, you need to know how far can you take the business? And at what point, if you want to continue growing to the business, do you surround yourself with people with the skill sets that you don't necessarily have? That makes absolute sense. What is your recommendation on this topic? Because I, I think this is a very interesting and also important uh, topic. What's your recommendation of how do you discover for what stage you are the best match or the best fit? Well, I think, first of all, that's a great question. I think you have to determine what is the vision for your business. You know, are you wanting to build a business that you're going to get residual income and you're going to pass it along to your children or family? And so it's more of a lifestyle business. Is it something you want to grow? Is it a 
you know, software you're bringing to market is disruptive and you want to sell it in six months to create personal wealth. Um, those are all great things. But you first have to understand the vision for the business. Where do you want it to go? And when you do that, you then start to surround yourself um, with people who can help you execute that vision. And um, I've set up many different uh, boards for companies I've worked with. And, you know, those boards, the composition changes over time because the, the input you need today will be different from the input you need in a year or three years if you're really, truly scaling the business. So it's really all about vision and it's about being honest. And some entrepreneurs are better than others about having that uh, honest conversation with themselves. But when you get in front of investors, investors know very quickly um, where your skill sets will lead and where they think you need to bring in additional talent. Sure. Got it. Would you be open to share your personal vision that you have? Because... I think that's something that especially people doing business in America are very, very strong at. Oh, sure. Well, I, I think, again, it's about um, where does your skill set lead? So Pinnacle Transplant that I led for three and a half years, we went from 20 to now 130 employees. We went from only distributing in the U.S. to now distributing in 19 countries. Um, great growth great uh, technologies, um, but we were moving more towards the medical device space. And that is quite frankly, not an area that I have a lot of expertise in. Um, so it became apparent uh, after three and a half years of being there that, you know, we really needed a different skill set if the business was going to continue to grow. So we tapped one of the board members that I recruited to the company to take over as CEO and I facilitated uh, his coming in and, you know, handing it over to him. So I, I think it's a, an honest conversation with yourself. And, you know, it's also about having fun. Um, you know, you enjoy building things and scaling. And, you know, I had gotten to a point where I'd kind of done everything I needed to do. So it was like, all right, let, let's hand this over to somebody else. And, you know, I took a board seat and I still have my equity and stock. So, you know, it's good. And I get to move on to other things. And, uh, you know, it's all good. I think it's all about where your passion is. And you have to realize at some point, even though it's your baby, it's your company that you're growing, at some point, you got to let the baby grow up and move beyond you. Sure. Great story. Were there also things that were easier than you expected uh, that actually were easier to achieve than you first thought? Um, I think in building out incubation centers, um, the whole, at least in the United States, the focus on entrepreneurship is incredible. Uh, when I moved to Arizona in 2009, we did not have a state incubation association. So I started one because I was president of the association in North Carolina. And at that point, we had seven programs in the state. Now, if you fast forward to 2018, there are over 70 programs, accelerators, incubators, cohort spaces across the state. So it was a pleasantly surprising how much entrepreneurship is uh, looked at in the U.S. and how positive municipalities are on setting up these programs. Cool. Now, one of my favorite questions is, what is your favorite mistake and why? <laughs> well, we probably don't have enough time to talk about all of them, but <laughs> I'll, I'll try to choose one. Uh, so I started multiple companies. You know, I was kind of the serial entrepreneur. Um, I was the kid at the back of the bus in eighth grade taking your lunch money, selling you candy because I was trying to make money. Um, but I started a uh, computer technology company years ago, and we started to get some traction. We were doing websites and replacing IT departments in uh, large manufacturing facilities. 
And I got to the point where I needed to hire a sales guy. So I interviewed and interviewed and, you know, finally found a guy. I thought he had the right skill set. So I brought him in and, um, you know, we started training him and getting him up to speed. And he landed an interview with what turned out to be the largest customer my company would ever have before I sold it. Wow. And I was ecstatic. I'm like, wow, this is great. You know, you got this interview. And so I start role playing with them. Now, when they ask this, you say this. And, you know, when they respond with this, this is what you say. And we, we role played and role played and role played because I had to let him lead the conversation because he got the appointment. So we show up, we shake hands, we sit down, we start talking. And it was as if I had never told him anything. He ignored everything I had told him. Whenever they would ask a question, he would say the exact opposite of what I told him to do. So I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm dying. I'm like, we're going to lose this account. We walk out and I'm like, what are you thinking? You didn't listen to me. And he goes, well, I think I've got rapport, you know, with the manager. And it went well. And it turns out at the end of the day, he sold the account and we got it. Awesome. And I learned just because I wanted him to respond in a certain cryptic way of what I was used to doing, that it was better to let him lead uh, based on his knowledge and what he knew. And so I realized that I made a mistake of trying to dictate the conversation as opposed to just letting it naturally happen. That's a very great story. So it's sort of the the key takeaway from my perspective is that one size does not fit all and coaching should not try to make one size fits all. Absolutely. And I think at the end of the day, what I learned is hire people smarter than you, give them the tools to be successful and get the hell out of the way. Exactly. Because if they know what they're doing, they don't need you to micromanage them. If you're micromanaging them, then that is not going to be a success. Absolutely. Really great story. Thanks a lot for sharing it. Sure. Imagine now that you can put up a gigantic billboard and you can put a message up there that's super important to you. <laughs> what message would that be and why? Hire people smarter than you. Awesome. Hire guess... people that have the skill sets that you don't and know where your strengths are, but more importantly, know where your weaknesses are. If you surround yourself with people whose strengths are your weaknesses, you will be very successful. Again, a very great piece of advice here. <laughs> that's, that's just amazing. One follow-up question from my end. How mm -hmm. do you sort of track these things down, like your strengths and the weaknesses? Do you sort of like, have like a certain way of collecting them or for like asking feedback? Or how do you go about this to actually not only experience it, but also store this information and make sure that you are acting up on it after you've realized what's going on? Great question. Well, I, I think, first of all, it begins with what do you enjoy doing and what do you not enjoy doing? Um, when I was running my business incubation networks, one of the things that I required was open book accounting. So every quarter, I would review profit and loss, balance sheets, and every quarter, I would have at least one entrepreneur who had been playing around in QuickBooks and the balance sheet was a work of fiction because I could look at it and know you don't know what you're doing. So, you know, you play to your strengths. So understanding what you're good at, what you can move forward, and then, again, how do you bring people in to do the things, A, that you don't want to do, or B, that you're not good at. And that's hard for entrepreneurs sometimes because you're wearing all the hats. You're doing sales. You're doing marketing. You're doing HR. You know, you're trying to do everything at once. And a smart entrepreneur will realize the faster you can get 
many of those hats off your head and onto other people, the more successful you're going to be because there's no way as you're scaling a business that you can truly do everything if you're going to be honest with yourself and you're going to create a true enterprise that can scale and grow. That's absolutely right. Cool. Last question from my end. Do you have any tools or gadgets that you use on a regular basis or additional resources like books, podcasts that you consume on a regular basis that you can recommend to us? Um, I'm not going to recommend podcasts or books or things like that. There's tons of things out there. The strongest thing that I can recommend to entrepreneurs is build an advisory board. Build a board of people that you trust, that you can bounce ideas off of, that can tell you you're wrong when you're not going the right way. And if you do that and you use the knowledge of other people who have made past mistakes, past successes, other things, you're going to scale very faster than you ever think. And you're going to get perspectives that you may not always see. Uh, when I was running Pinnacle, uh, one of the things that I wanted to do after I came in after a year was purchase land and build a building because I like owning real estate. So I'm pitching the board on my plan. You know, I found some land and we're going to buy and we're going to build. And after I finish my presentation, they look at me as if I'm stupid. And they're like, what are you thinking? I'm like, well, I want to own the building. And they're like, you're going to get four to 6% return on your money. Right now, every dollar you're reinvesting, you're getting a 22% return. Why would you not do that? And I stood there and was like, you're right. <laughs> Why would I do that? That doesn't make any sense. So, you know, sometimes you get so passionate about what you want to do that, you know, you don't see the forest for the trees and you're kind of blinded because you're in it from day to day. A good advisory board will, you know, hold you in check, will give you those good pieces of advice. They'll network you to other people in their networks. And to me, in scaling a business, that's one of the most important things that you could ever do. Super cool advice again. One follow-up here, what kind of skill set, number of people, and compensation should you look for when setting up your advisory board? Great question. Um, it depends on the, the nature of the company. For early startups, uh, you're probably going to just simply ask people to volunteer their time. I prefer boards of six to seven people, um, no, no more than 10 because it becomes unruly. Um, I, with Pinnacle, when we set our board up, we chose seven. Uh, we had four meetings a year, a half day each. We compensated them $1,500, uh, per meeting because we had the cash to do that. For people who may not have the cash, but still need to offer some compensation, um, it's not uncommon to offer them equity, uh, 0.25, 0.50, but you do it on a vesting schedule so they don't just get the equity at the first meeting. It's earned over time. And you need to set rules of engagement of what you expect uh, with your board so you're not just reporting out, but you're actually engaging them in the critical uh, decisions that you're trying to make and moving the company forward. Um, a good board uh, also typically will have subcommittees. Uh, you may have a finance committee, an operations committee, sales committee, it just depends, um, so that those people can dive deeper into those areas of the business and the report out to the general board as well. So a good board to me is absolutely critical, not only from an operational standpoint, but from a funding standpoint. Uh, many of the my fellow investors that I know, um, you not only invest in the entrepreneur, that you invest in the board of people, especially if you recognize their names. So it's a really great way to get the company up and running, get additional intellectual capital that you might not otherwise have access to. 
I think that's a highly underestimated way of moving your company forward and growing it. Absolutely. Yeah, I uh, was on a panel a couple of months ago at one of the incubators and we were talking about, you know, setting up a board and less than half of the entrepreneurs in the room when I asked how many of you have a board raised their hand. And I think it's a, a fundamental mistake not to take advantage of that opportunity. Amazing. Russ, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. I really love the input you were giving. And I wish you lots of success for all the future projects and businesses that you are being involved with in the future. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I've greatly enjoyed the conversation.